Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So you're about halfway, about halfway through the campaign now, is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you're... Man, so, like just soaring, one hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars <laughs> soaring, and two thousand one hundred and forty backers. That is really just going good guns. <laughs> good guns. <laughs> good guns. That's a phrase I don't know. I don't think it actually exists, but uh, the, <laughs> you are doing very well. I guess is maybe a better thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, yeah, we've been real happy, and so we're uh, full. We're in like full on. You know, moving forward, let's make it happen. And so we have like about a half million little things that we have to do and finalize. And we have to source some parts and processes and stuff still. But uh, yeah, things are going well. Is this campaign a surprise? Like, you looking, is this result surprising to you? Like, how just really, really well it's been going so far? Maybe a little bit. I think if we hadn't had the pano book project before this then uh it would be more surprising but i think that kind of helps set our expectations of like okay there's an audience and we ourselves kind of have now a built-in audience of people that want our you know stationary goods so uh <laughs> i think that helped maybe set our expectations a little bit i mean you it looks like you're kind of closing in on the pano book right kind of campaign wise mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I bet, you know, this will probably end up, you know, pretty similar to our other campaigns, uh, you know, in the range somewhere. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still a little surprised, but yeah, it's not like it's way out of nowhere. It really, I, to me, the thing is surprising is not like, is it successful or not? Or, or like, it's just the number of people. Um, it will be surprising to me if this is like, the most backed campaign that we've done in terms of like number of people, but we'll see. I mean, who knows what will happen, but um, yeah, it's cool. And it's really exciting because, you know, uh, this really feels like kind of like a new path, like a new path where there's lots of interesting things we can do and like lots of um, like types of pins or products like that, that we want to like kind of look at. So that's really exciting. It feels like a new beginning in a lot of ways. A little bit more than the Panda book, because with the Panda book, we have more ideas for, like, paper goods, but it's, like, m- much more limited. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's fun. There is also, like, a, a kind of simplicity to the Panda book, right? Like, in the the product itself is quite simple. It's maybe an easier purchase, right? Like a, a notebook. But a pen is it is a more risky potentially market. Like so, you know, you're saying about yeah. kind of like surprised at the success. You know, it, it's interesting that the pen has done as well as it has. When like the the notebook feels more safe ish, maybe right? Like than mm-hmm. than a pen would. And having them both be big successes, I'm not surprised. It's making you think about like what the business is now right like what mm-hmm. what you know what you guys focus on now 
um, is going to change, right? Like, I imagine cocktails take a bit of a backseat for a bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you become like the Glyph and Pen Company. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could see, if I had to guess, I would guess, you know, in a couple of years, we might have, you know, a couple pins, but that's it. You know, I don't, we're not going to make like 20 pins, I don't think, right? So, right. But the, the, the notebook went to the pen. What does the pen go to? Like, there's so much stuff. Yeah. In this like realm, like the stationary realm, there are so many different offshoots that you can go to. It is it is quite wide, right? Like you might want to make a pencil in six months' time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there are there are like there are lots of different things, and then once even in those categories of like pen and pencil, like you have fountain pen, right? There that fountain pens are getting easier and easier to make now because there are a lot of companies that can provide you with the trickier parts that are very good mm-hmm. quality. So like the nibs and the the feeds, which what go, like brings the ink to the nib, you can buy a lot of that stuff from very good yeah, companies now, right? And, and mm-hmm. this is, again, why there are so many fountain pen Kickstarter campaigns now, because the quality of those parts has become more widely available and a better quality. So like, you know, th- there are, I think, a lot of avenues for you guys now if this is a path that you want to continue on and i think what maybe sets you apart now and will i think continue to set you apart is like your approach to these projects is different to a lot of the typical pen and paper projects which are more like made by pen and paper people where you guys Mm -hmm. are like design people and you're making these products in the same way that like the pen type A and the pen type B were successful, mm-hmm. right? It was like yeah. mm-hmm. design focused people who are bringing those ideas to these types of products and to these realms, which can be appreciated by a lot of people. So I, I think that's one of the things that I'm interested to see, like what does this end up permeating into? Yeah, it's also, um, this is also a really a completely different kind of product for us. Um, just like getting more deep, like deeply into making some final decisions about like, you know, some of the codings and things we're going to be doing to the pin. Um, it's, you know, it really, it's almost like a piece of jewelry. Like the finish has to be, you know, perfect. And we've never had anything where the finish had, you know, really had to be perfect everywhere. Um, so it it's like a really different kind of thing. But I mean, why is that different to like I don't know putting print on a piece of glass or something? Like, w- what makes this trickier than some of the other stuff you've done, or like more intricate? Well, it's not more intricate exactly. So the the processes we're using, like you know, the there's kind of two pieces. There's the making of the metal parts, and we've made metal parts on the same type of machine to really high tolerances before. So that's not exactly the issue. It's really you know, there's a couple different, like, basically appearance finishes on the pin. There's the Cerakote that's on the body, and then there's um, the kind of metal on on the knocks, on, you know, on the end of the pin. And, you know, uh, there's an easy way to do that stuff. And then there's, a, there's, like, a really hard way where it's, like, really durable. And we're, you know, striving to do the really hard, durable thing. And it's not, you know, it's not like impossible. It's just we are, that is like the weird thing about our pin. Like when I, you know, I'm talking to suppliers 
for those kind of coatings, they're like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> so, um, so this just kind of interesting and fun. And I, I think it's going to turn out really well. Like, I think because we're doing some kind of weird, like for instance, the um, likely the process we're going to use to put the like copper and nickel like uh, appearance on the Knox is called PVD, which is like this um, pretty common process, but it's like, it's this way to put like metal on stuff. And like when you have a drill bit that you buy like at the hardware store and they're like yellow, um, that's actually, it's not like paint or anything. It's it's actually changing the the metal like on the uh, on the drill bit to make it very hard and like low friction and stuff. And we're going to be u- likely using that sort of process on the knocks so that they're just like really hard and have like, you know, this color that doesn't scratch off or anything. So we're kind of doing some interesting uh, stuff that's kind of brand new to us. And so that's really fun. And I think it will really serve us going forward, um, you know, for making pins or things that are like a little bit more decorative because there are, um, there's like a lot of options. Like once you kind of understand that world, there's a, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. So that's really exciting. And We'll see where it takes us. But are you dealing with tolerances in any different ways? Like, are the tolerances tougher than some of the other projects that you've worked on, or is it about the same? Um, like, I'm just thinking, like that mechanism, right? Like that surely gets a little bit fiddly. Yeah, not exactly, not really. Okay. Uh, we're, almost everything has standard tolerances, but you got to remember a standard tolerance on the machine type of machine we're using is like five thousandths of an inch mm-hmm. or like 0.1 millimeters. Like impossible human measurements, basically. Yeah, you yeah. like half the width of a hair. Yeah. Some tolerances on the pin will be like one thousandth, which is like you know, a, like a you know, point oh two five millimeters. Um, so. But yeah, but that's not crazy. And and we've definitely like the for instance, like the glyph mold, uh almost every measurement on that huge piece of steel is within those tolerances. So, you know, it's not crazy, but it is um it's really about just the the finish level has to be really good. So there's a big difference between making metal parts that are, are within tolerance, but then are within tolerance and look good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not like hard. Yeah, and there's lots of and there's lots of details that are. It's not about what the machines can do because obviously the machines are capable of, like Tom said, these incredibly tight tolerances. But just kind of our attention to detail and making sure everything is kind of working out correctly. So a good example of that is the tip of the pen that the uh, that the tip of the refill feeds through. It's like that needs to be a really nice tight tolerance because yes. people wobble. don't like it when it's wobbling. Yeah, or kind of clicking. That's the worst. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. And so that's like a thing you got to pay really close attention to and make sure that those like numbers are, you know, adding up. And then uh, likewise, like how uh, far back the tip like recedes into the body when it's mm-hmm. unclicked, uh, like things like that, like those things actually matter. Uh, and so we just got to like be paying attention to those things and making sure, uh, it's all working out. Those are like a couple of things where like for a $50 pen that you expect to be pretty locked Mm -hmm. down, right? That like, if I put this in my pocket, it's not going to leak in my pocket. 
because the tip doesn't go back far enough or like when I'm touching it down to the paper, I don't want it to be like click, 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 clicking all the time. You know, yeah. like th- those are the types of things where like you would expect them to be taken care of. It's cool. I mean, it's really fun. And, and um, we, we, re- we recently got a, a new fancier 3d printer so that we can uh, really, really lock down some of those details. Like, you know, basically like, dimensions and stuff and so that's really nice that we can iterate on that pretty quickly what makes this 3d printer so fancy it's just really accurate so um the three we have previously we had like a fdm machine like a MakerBot, like an old 3d printer and it's really good at making like cheap fast parts by like extruding plastic uh we got a form 2 printer which is like an sla printer which uh it has like a goop it's like a resin printer, so it has goop, and there's like oh, a... Oh, man, this thing looks incredible. <laughs> and... Wow, that looks so much so much fun. <laughs> yeah, so it's got goop, and then it's got a um, uh, like a galvanometer, like kind of like we used in the laser cat toy with the IR laser, or sorry, UV laser. And so it, it it's just the parts that come off of it are very accurate, and the surface finish is really smooth. And so you can simulate, you can say like, hey, I want this to be one thousandth or two thousandth bigger and it can like actually do that <laughs> like it can Wait, make that change what is the goop for like i'm looking at it now i don't understand that's what it's made out of so it's so it's resin um and it's uv cured resin so it it like lifts it's it built it prints it upside down and it like slowly lifts and it does this a layer is like breaking my brain this isn't how 3d <laughs> printers work this is doing the opposite oh my this is so weird <laughs> I've never seen this before. I've never seen this before. I've always seen it as like something extruding, the little like nozzle that that squirts out Mm -hmm. something. I had no idea that this was even like possible. How strange! It like does it. That's so weird. Oh my god, this is so weird. I'm gonna put uh, I'm put some links in the show notes so people can like experience this life changing moment along with me. Well, so anyway, so that's, uh, it is really cool. And it's, um, so that's been nice uh, to kind of really in-house be able to kind of tackle some of these issues. Um, So yeah, we're kind of, you know, there's a lot of kind of outstanding tests we need to do basically um, to really make the right design decisions. But, you know, it's really just a lot of little tweaks we're deciding on. um, And yeah, we'll be, you know, checking those off the list. So we're feeling, feeling pretty good. All right, so like my we like I don't want to talk about a pen anymore. I just want to talk about this three D printer. Like, um, <laughs> th- but I am interested. Oh, wow, this is such a cool machine. When you make decisions to buy equipment like this, right? Because this is clearly a significant investment, right? That these are not cheap machines by any stretch of the imagination. Like I'm looking at what they do. How do you make a decision when buying a new piece of equipment like this? Like, what is the kind of thought process? Like, what do you guys do like is tom are you going to dan and being like making a case for why you should spend money on buying this like goop machine <laughs> sort of tom tom <laughs> comes to me and is like i don't know should we get this and i just say do it <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because basically uh we've i feel like we've yet to regret an investment yes. in a tool for prototyping Mm -hmm. uh like we're always able to use it for other things and so as long as it's you know in a certain price range if it was like creeping into like five figure territory then that would like that would require some 
consideration and deliberation. Yeah. Uh, but things that are a few thousand bucks, I think it's it's totally worth the investment. Because it enables you to be able to do more, right? Like these are investments in the future type situations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I even told Dan the other day, like I've, so beyond making parts, I've started making some jigs with that printer. What does that mean? Like things that hold other things so that you can like machine them or like oh okay Okay. yeah like on a machine Mm -hmm. and so you know it's it is i told dan like it feels like that we have like a 3d printer for the first time uh like that you know this kind of technology is really what the promise of three like you know is really when people think about what 3d printing could be this is really what it is not like the fdm machines why why is that like what's the what what is it because it's more precise yeah, basically precision, and then like, uh, like it can be more solid, and it's, um, but yeah, most basically precision. Um, okay. And so, yeah, that you know, like it, on a FDM machine, like they can be pretty precise, but usually you have to like, you know, file them down or like smooth them or you know, do something to kind of make them better, and then you lose a lot of the accuracy. And so this machine, like you know, it's pretty, it's like pretty accurate. So it was really helpful. And FDM is referring to the ones that like extrude, right? That's, yeah. that's what that is. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh man. I, I, I know a lot of people have really cool jobs. This just seems like a really cool job that you have to like just build stuff like this. It just seems like <laughs> you know, like you just go down to the to the garage and you're like, Oh, I need to just like make something out of nothing today. Like that there's something kind of cool well, about that. Yeah, but it's also... I know it's like a horrifically frustrating experience. At yeah, it can like, be I'm really sure, frustrating right? too. It's like you've spent yeah. two hours waiting for this thing. It's like, oh, it was like two-fifths of a millimeter off. So I guess I got to wait again, right? Like I can understand yeah. that. But the, there is... It's, uh, when I'm looking at these YouTube videos of like something rising from the goop, it, it makes everything seem way cooler. <laughs> Do you design this stuff yourself? Like you're designing it in software and then printing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the software is actually the easy part really um mm-hmm. like cad software has gotten way better and easier yeah. and more accessible over time really the tricky thing is is knowing you know how to use tools or a combination of tools to get what you want because it, it's seldom the case where it's like really straightforward like usually you have to kind of employ some trick or novel solution to like like i said make a jig that then will allow you to do something so you know because the thing that's crazy is well especially for this pin project is you know, the machines that will actually be making the parts cost like several hundred thousand dollars. And and there's basically no way to simulate what they do. And so you're, it's always really tr- tricky to, you know, kind of work designing and prototyping for a machine that is like way more accurate and more capable than you would ever be. And so um, it's just tricky to triangulate and figure out how to, like, for instance, okay. One thing we're trying to figure out, really nail down, is the amount of space, like, you know, the knock goes into the body, the back of the pin, mm-hmm. right? And there's got to be some space there. It can't be a perfect fit. It, like, if it was a perfect fit, you couldn't do it because it would, like, pressurize in the air. It would be a problem. Kind of like pin type A or B where they pop. That's because it's really high tolerance. So, th- so we got to figure out what tolerance is going to be. And it's like, okay, well, we got to decide between... You know, one thousandth of an inch, two thousandth of an inch, five thousandth of an inch, ten thousandth of an inch. And, you know, the only way to do that really is to like, you know, I made a separate little thing that's like basically like a little click test thing just for the knock. 
And we can't do you know, like nickel plating easily, so I like made them out of nickel, like solid nickel. So it's just it's just like all this like crazy stuff you do. So at the end, we'll have before we like go into production, we'll have like all of these separate tests that we've performed, like all these different pieces. Like okay, well we use this thing to figure out like what the perfect spring is. We use this thing to figure out the tolerance of the knock. We use this thing to figure out what O-ring hardness we should get. So it's like all these different little things. Uh, you're kind of chasing your tail a little bit. Uh, and then, but at some point, obviously we'll like make some real test parts on a real machine, but it is just a little bit tricky doing, trying to do some like quick development and like prototyping for this stuff. So, you know, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's, it's good. It's fun. It's, but it's, it's, it is, I mean, it makes a humongous, humongous difference to be able to do this stuff in house. It would be more efficient by like probably a factor of 10 to have to like spend a lot of money and like have someone else do this stuff. But it would take so long mm-hmm. that it, and it would be so frustrating. So being able to bring this stuff in house and do it in houses is, is, is really, really key. Um, and so that's, I think, what we more and more convince ourselves of. And so to answer your question from before, that's that's really the litmus test. Like, you know, when we're thinking about buying a piece of equipment, like, will this help us? do like iterative design quicker like you know like right you know like the fact that i can like you know print 10 versions of something really quickly uh instead of you know sending it out to someone else and then waiting like you know a week in between each one of those versions uh is a a huge difference so that's really the calculus there I got us so far, of course. Like so, <laughs> uh, Dan, has there been any like more thoughts about any customer feedback? Are you getting any different things that you didn't get before, or are there any new things that you've considered for the Mark One project? Yeah, um, I mean, if you uh, peruse the uh, comment section of the Kickstarter page, it's basically a stream of people asking for a. Uh, a black plus copper version, uh, mm-hmm. like basically swapping the body with the knock uh, to make that pairing. And so we, I mean, we originally didn't have that just for simplicity for our sake, uh, just in, you know, fulfillment, like the fewer skews you have, the easier things are. Uh, there's nothing technical preventing us from doing that. Like the, you can unscrew one and put it in the other body and it makes no difference. Uh, and so, because so many people are asking for it, we're gonna, we're gonna allow that. So there's basically now four combos instead of two. You'll right. also be able to do white with silver if you want. Um, and so it's, we're still not sure if this is, if that's going to be like a permanent option or just like a Kickstarter only, uh, thing and we act, we haven't even actually announced this. We're probably going to have a Kickstarter update uh, later this week to let people know that that will be an option. Will this be done by backer surveys? Like, is that how you're going to take care of that? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we'll probably actually send out a survey, like a Google form survey or something, just to like get a rough idea of like where what the numbers are going to be like, because that'll help us kind of determine some things um but you know it's gonna add some complexity to fulfillment and stuff but you know enough people are asking for it to where it's worth you know that little bit of extra effort so i think people will be happy with that it was something that i meant to ask you last time but i think i don't think i did it i I don't remember asking this like where are these pens going to be made 
Like, what is the process looking like for that? Do you know yet? Mostly, um, definitely in the U.S., unless something really changes, uh, which is possible. We don't know. There's several suppliers we could use, um, and we just haven't completely decided on one yet. So we're trying to find one really local to us because then we can go there more often and stuff. This is something I think that you really appreciated in the panel book, right? That you, you could go to the place. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. I mean, just being able to film and just like being able to pop over. I mean, there. So, so that. So, we're trying to pull things in as close as we can. Um, and for most everything, there's options. Uh, so that's it's not a problem really finding people exactly, but you know, trying to find someone that would work really well close. Um, but yeah. There's maybe some weird chance that something might be made in China, um, but unlikely, like very unlikely. Yeah, I know that that, you know, just from previous projects has caused so many problems. I can imagine that you do try and avoid it wherever you can now. Yeah, yes. Like just just putting things on a boat. What was that thing? Wasn't there like this big shipping problem? Like a boat sunk or something. What was the? There was like something weird happened, oh, right? Oh, we there was a our stuff was coming into the port of L.A. and there was a a dock strike for like that was it. Yes. A long time. So it was just sitting like on a weeks. boat in a port, right? Like it was there, yeah. but you just couldn't get to it. It's that fairly common, it. though. I think yeah. that stuff. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Because I remember, I think it was the same time, like some Samsung phone came out or something, and they were having like tons of problems <laughs> oh, trying to yeah. get the phones off these boats. You can't do anything. You actually don't own it. No. You, when it's on the boat, you don't own it until it arrives, or even after it arrives. So it's weird. It's like you have to like get that three D printer to build a boat, and then you can just like <laughs> go go and do it yourself. You just get on a nice little rowboat, and off you go. Build me a boat, three D printer. <laughs> <laughs> someone someone's done it um how are you like feeling overall right now you got like 24 days to go still quite still quite a lot of time left on the campaign um mm. how, are, how are you feeling about it on a daily basis like are you checking in on stuff regularly is it mostly just kind of running itself at this point yeah we're kind of in the the lull of the the middle yeah. of the funding period which you know happens with every campaign and so uh yeah, I mean, overall, feeling really good. It's with the Pano book and now this pen, it's, you know, definitely got us thinking about, you know, other things we can do in this space for sure. Uh, so that's been fun too. But yeah, you know, like Tom said, it's a lot of just kind of like, okay, we're funded, you know, we're kind of been heads down, uh, you know, starting the process of making this real. So that's been good. Do you know what the packaging's going to be for the pen yet? Pretty good idea. Well, we we definitely have some strong contenders. We know that we want to, well, especially for the Kickstarter. Who knows if this will change? But because we like, we'll probably be a sim doing some of this and like final check and some of the assembly ourselves. And so, um, it would like make sense to have part of the packaging feel like you know we signed off on it or something. And so we're um. We have some ideas about what we want it to be. You know, it will probably be real simple. We we I think we have one thing that's really changed with us over the years is we've gotten simpler and simpler with our packaging just because we know how difficult it can be uh, when trying to like reorder. The Pano bo- book box was beautiful. 
right? Yeah. So yeah, it was beautiful, but simple. Yeah, but but you know what I mean. Like the simplistic isn't necessarily just in the case of how the box comes together, right? Like oh yeah, we want it to be. It will be delightful in some way. Um, but I think it will be. You know, if anyone's ordered our stuff before, it's like a lot of like you know craft colored paper with you know one or two colors of ink, and it'll probably be something like that. You should do a Cerakote box, right? You just coat some cardboard in Cerakote. Like, no one can ever open it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. uh, No, not that. But um, (laughs) it was probably, yeah. Something. It won't be a surprise. I don't, people won't be shocked. I mean, it will be hot pink and glossy. (laughs) Naturally. But. Well, I mean, we all knew that, though. That was Yeah, of course. So you mentioned before, actually, going back to kind of the funding stuff, that this campaign looked like it was going to set records. Is that mm-hmm. still likely to be the case, do you think? Whether it uh, becomes our most funded campaign ever, which would it would beat the most, like the new glyph, uh, that remains to be seen. I think we're kind of on pace to be somewhere around there. Wow. So that's exciting. That's amazing, right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's, it's really wild. It's a pen. It's yeah, wild. yeah. Well, I think I I I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I've said this on a past show before. Maybe not, but like since the failure of Obi, every campaign we've released since then have been like our top three most funded. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Like that's a nice feeling of like recovery, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. But one interesting milestone, I guess probably interesting to us only and no one else, is uh, <laughs> we are to- across all of our successful Kickstarters, which I guess is eight, uh, we crossed $1 million uh, like total funding Wow! across all those. So, wow. I mean, we'll, we're millionaires now. It's crazy. That's not... <laughs> that's, that's how that works. No, I'm really, really <laughs> sorry to have to burst your bubble, but that's not yeah. how that works. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're doing something really bad. I mean, I, you know, I guess for some people, you could get a million dollars that way, but I think it means that nobody ever got their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> that's what we've been doing wrong. <laughs> Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. Go to relay.fm slash tc slash 37 to find information about this episode. And if you haven't already, don't forget to go back to Mark 1 on Kickstarter. <laughs>